Hello there, friends. Welcome to Barf. This is Backlog Accomplishment Respawn and Friends. This is me, Adam, joined by my buddy Chad over here. Hi, I'm Chad. Wave at the folks. I have to yeah, wave audibly too because like. most people listen to this. I was about to say, please say something while you're waving. <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to play on our radio program. Today, our barf game, you may ask, well, you voted for it on patreon.com slash respawn aim fire, and you allowed us or forced us to play Prince of Persia 2008. That's what we'll determine today. Mm-hmm. We're going to f- talk about it. And we're going to figure it all out. Ah. So I've got some information about the game here today with me. Prince of Persia is an action-adventure platforming video game provided uh, developed by Ubisoft Montreal and published by Ubisoft. The game was released uh, December 2nd, 2008 for PS3 and Xbox 360. Um, the game had sold 2.2 million copies in its first month of release. And it seemed mostly uh, positive reviews, uh, scoring 81, 85, and 82 on Metacritic, depending on platform of, uh, of choice. So... That's the base information for Prince of Persia. We'll get into story and, all, and stuff like that. But just at the top, how do you feel about playing Prince of Persia 2008 in the year 2021? I think it is a really, really fantastic 2008 game that doesn't hold up in 2021 from a mechanics perspective. I think in 2008, this was the bee's knees, as you can tell by Metacritic. Like People generally liked this game. They praised it a lot. And I remember I remember liking this game so much that I like, I was like, oh, I can't wait for the DLC. Oh, I got the DLC. Oh, I'm going to get that platinum trophy. I got everything in this game. And I remember that. And then going back and playing it, I was like, I feel like as an, as an industry, we've matured past these p- mechanics uh, 13 years later. So it was at one time a good game. But I, I think it's not one that you can easily go back to and play and enjoy the way that we did all those years ago. It's also not easy to go back to and play, as we found Jesus out. Jesus Christ, no. That's a, that was a whole that was a game in itself, trying to figure out how to play this thing. Yeah, for me, um, again, I remember being excited for this game. I think I played 10 minutes of it back in the day um, and stopped for whatever reason. I really like the ideas of this game. I think what they're going for is super interesting. I like the the cast of characters. The idea of what was... This feels like, again, perfect example, uh, Assassin's Creed 1, where it's like, everything here is a cool idea. I like this. But then everyone, you know, everyone uses this example. Assassin's Creed 2 was like, oh, now this is what the series is. Right. They finally figured it out. They took the idea and they made it really good. I feel similar about this, where I'm like, like I said, I like the characters. The idea of changing up the formula... Uh, I like the combat is interesting. I just playing it now. I'm just, I did not enjoy it very. There's a very specific thing that made me be like, Oh, I'm not going to enjoy this game. Um, but at the time I understand why they did it because there was the, I believe it was the sands of time trilogy had come out before. So they'd already yeah. like gone through and they had told their story and that kind of gameplay. Like we're going to do something brand new. We're going to reboot it all. And again, I like the idea they did, but maybe at the time it felt better. Like you were saying, um, in 2008, maybe everyone's hyped on it, but just trying to play it now, it's like I see things that are not a thing anymore, and uh, these make me not enjoy the game yeah. as it is. So, you know what's what's interesting to when when we're talking about like platforms and going back and playing it and things like that. One of the things I came across today is that they they chose like they didn't release the DLC, the epilogue to this thing on PC. Like Ubisoft, mm-hmm. just we release it on consoles, and then you just you can't play it on PC, so you don't. Like, there's the ending of the game that we'll talk about in a second, and then there's, like, 
what happens after the ending of the game that's like the the actual ending of the game that you just could not experience if you played it on pc which is weird that is the thing to say this game ends and then they were like oh that's not actually how the game ends because the ending is not great Um, but they had dlc which which you know kind of made it more understandable i mean we'll talk about it in a second but yeah the dlc choosing dlc where you have to know it for the ending of the game i'm sure people are upset about but then it also sets up like what the next trilogy would be like once you like i didn't play the the dlc but i looked at videos and had people explain it everything like oh this is where they were setting up the trilogy the base game does not do that the base game seems like a one-off yeah and it's just done so it i mean i I kind of would have been interested to see what they kept doing. It would just been nice to keep having more Prince of Persia games. But apparently, part of the reason they never did them, because Assassin's Creed was so popular and so good, they're like, mm, these are kind of the same idea. We'll just stick with the one that sells good. Yeah. So. That's actually kind of a, a good transition into like the the mechanics and the gameplay of this one, which was all built on the Assassin's Creed engine. Because they wanted mm-hmm. like the... like the, the whole idea of this game is you're the prince. There's you, You've destroyed... Or there's this princess. First of all, you lost your donkey. That's what this game is really about: is a lost donkey named Farah yeah. that never gets found, and we assume it's just dead with a shit ton of treasure on it. That's the tragedy mm-hmm. of this game. But you stumble across this princess, Elika, and she's got some powers. There's this dark force, Aramani, who's coming out, and her dad is like this person who caused all of that. Um, and so you have to go and cleanse four areas in order to help seal Aramon back in this this cathedral type thing um and so the gameplay of it i was surprised way back in 2008 that this was as kind of open and you could choose your route as it was because you really from the very beginning they're like all right these four areas got to be cleansed which one you want to go to and you go to them and you're like okay cool and then like you're you can choose which powers you unlock at any given time. Therefore, you get to choose how you expand through these things. So that was actually really surprising to me. And then when I learned today that it was built off the Assassin's Creed engine because of that, I was like, oh, okay, that actually makes a lot of sense. And this actually came out the year right yeah. after the first Assassin's Creed, um, which, yeah, I guess I guess they were just throwing both of these at the wall and Assassin's Creed stuck. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like how it's it's open and like pick your like you were saying you pick your own thing and you want to do. Um, I really that's kind of a good in it. Well, we'll get to why there's a bad reason. I think that idea works very well, but then they throw in the BS that I hate, which is that you have to collect motes of light in this video game. Yep. And let me so before we started, I'm like, how long to beat.com? Prince Persia is about ten and a half hours, maybe eleven. Okay, sounds cool. Um. So you go through those, you clear out those first four areas, you meet our four um, main enemies, like our bosses in the game, which is the hunter, the alchemist, the concubine, and the warrior. They all have different ways you defeat them. Um, and then, so you clear out those first four areas, and then it's like, oh, there's little motes of light everywhere, collect those. I was like, okay, whatever, that's fine. As I'm moving from place to place, I'll collect them. You gotta get 60 to unlock your first power and like move deeper into the world. Um, my problem with this game is that like, I barely got 60 going through all four of those because yeah. I don't want to go out of my way. Cause some of them, they're not even like, like one of, like a lot of them are just like, just run up to this wall that doesn't take you anywhere else. Just run up this wall and then you'll get one. And it's just like, uh, okay, I guess I have to do that. Um, once you, you'll have to tell me how many the total is you get your first power at 60. Then it maybe it's like get 170. And I was like, and you start back at zero. And I said, fuck that. I'm not going to finish this game. So that that's a slight. Uh, slightly incorrect. You don't start back at zero. 
Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a it's a cumulative total, so it's sixty. Oh, it's just continuing up. Yeah, seven. So you're sixty. Right. It was one forty. Like starting at zero. hundred percent did. It felt like. It. <laughs> but you're you're right in that like um, it you barely get that number, and it's it, going subsequently to like the one forty and the three seventy or whatever it was, th- or one seventy and three forty, and then five seventy. It's I didn't actually end up finishing the game because of that. It's that mechanic that drove me away from it, and it's because that's the only thing they're not. Well, one, they're not fun to collect. Like there's nothing challenging about it. You just you literally just have to play the level again in every like direction. It's like you already played this level once to beat the boss. Now go back and just do everything again and collect modes of light in a not challenging or fun or interesting way. And that already was not alluring. But then the fact that it is that you barely get enough. Because you're right. It, of the 60 that you needed and then there's maybe I think there was like 45 per area. But only not all of them are unlocked or available yet because you don't have the powers yet. So you could really only get maybe 65 or 70 of those total. That's if you tracked down every single one you could see. Um, so you, you couldn't just like casually collect these things. It was literally you would spend 30 minutes beating an area and then like 45 minutes collecting just the modes of lights out of all that shit. And it just became a chore. And, and back in 2008... That was that was what was interesting in games. You have these big giant worlds, and there's so many things hidden across it. And it was collecting modes of light in Prince of Persia. It was collecting feathers in Assassin's Creed 2 that were meaningless and they're scattered nowhere for no reason. It's collecting the shards in Infamous that again was just open world, and there's just a bunch of random shards everywhere that makes no sense, but it's a collectathon. And Jiggies and, and Banjo Kazooie. Exactly, Jiggies and Banjo Kazooie. It's like all this shit. The, well, although, counterpoint, the Jiggies were actually kind of hard to find. And the music notes occasionally in Banjo-Kazooie were like, there were puzzles to finding those. And that was not present in this. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was that was the meta in games, and open world games at the time. And I, I enjoyed the shit out of doing that all the time. But now in 2021, I realize that you can give purpose to these collectibles and they can mean something and they can be fun and challenging and difficult. And we've come such a far away in game design that I don't want to go back to that anymore. So, mm-hmm. and that's why, that's why at the beginning I said, like, I think it's a great 2008 game in 2008, but we've just come so far from that, that it's not enjoyable anymore. Yeah. That was my only one thing where it was like, this game is 10 and a half hours to beat. And I guarantee seven of those hours is just collecting. Like, that's how it feels. Yeah. Um, Cause if you look at it now, like another, an Ubisoft game that we just reviewed was Far Cry 6. And like, there's a bunch of stuff in the world, but it's all optional and you get rewards for it. And it feels different and interesting to do. Like taking out every outpost can be different. You can do it however you want to do. You get rewards for it. And you technically don't have to do it if you want to beat the game. You really don't. And this is just like, again, there's a wall over here, 20 feet off of the main path. And there's one mode of light and you got to run up the wall and there's nothing else around it. So just do it. I'm like, no, thank you. I'm good. Yeah. But one thing I really do like. There's like, I don't know if you got to this point. There's like uh, a really shitty puzzle where you have to turn four platforms in the air by like moving a crank. Did you ever mm-hmm. get to that one? And, and there's like, like stopping it and then moving the other one. Uh, yeah, and then, so you have to you have to do well, that. No, there's one, it was like on the wall of a tower where like the little thing would spin, and then you'd have to stop it and then get the other one to spin at the same time. Yep, it was doing the hunter like going to fight. So that you had guy. to do yeah. that as part of the game, and then you had to come back and redo that same fucking puzzle again that you hated the first time to get motes of light in that same area. It it was awful, awful. Mm. No me gusta. No thank you. Uh, what I do really enjoy is that the one-on-one combat of this game. Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, another thing to say, you can't die in the game. 
straight up Elika saves you no matter what she'll reverse time which, you know, even you if know, she's like the time, trapped kind of by the corruption at the time save her free her and then you die she'll like I'll break out of a second I'll save you and then I'll go back to being trapped <laughs> and I'll get you yeah so you cannot die in the game which doesn't really bother me because I was like what's the people are like there's no challenge it's like I mean there's you still got to beat the dude but it's just like instead of a checkpoint you just keep fighting and his health goes back up yeah whatever that doesn't bother me that's fine I actually prefer that instead of just dying and having to reload look this was had quick loading before you know ps5 and xbox series x came out yeah. it's like no you just you're good you don't die. <laughs> um but i do love the combat system it's one-on-one you block you got a sword you got the gauntlet which i really like which is like on you know a hard sharp razor gauntlet and then you have elica and the game is just you do a combo so it's you know counter your enemy sword grab elica elica grab sword and then if you get him on the edge and push him off you're like instant killer i love the combat i was like it's not super, super deep, but it's, it's fun, like, figuring out how to do the combos. and Yeah, and figuring you know, out like which Elka, combos work well on what enemies, yeah. too. Like, that was that was cool to to piece that all together. I did enjoy that very much. Like, this is cool. I was like, I like this idea, because you come from the old Prince of Persia's, and it's like, oh, but this is, like, a new-ish kind of combat that I haven't really seen um, in a lot of places, where it's just always one-on-one fights, and yeah. You got to switch up your tactics and do different combos depending on who you're fighting. Because some enemies think it's concubine specifically. I might be incorrect. Where she just doesn't take damage from swords. So, like, you basically only have to use Elica. Yeah. Uh, and maybe grab her to throw her up in the air with your gauntlet, but then have Elica go at her. And then try to push her off the edge. Or one enemy literally can't take damage. You have to push him off the edge. Yep. So, I think that stuff was cool. I like the combat. And that's a, that was a big departure, actually. Because the previous trilogy was all basically just hordes of enemies like God of War was. And it was just like slashing your way through a bunch of people and none of them mattered. And one of the things I read was that this one, they took that same idea, that same kind of combat mechanic from Assassin's Creed, actually the year before, like the timing based stuff. And then they wanted it to all be one on one in this game because they wanted each enemy to like actually feel like big and difficult and scary. So like, it's not like you can just slash through a bunch of people and not even care. Like you actually have to, every single enemy is, is an important tough challenge which was kind of a cool concept yeah i like that um another thing i really enjoyed was the characters there are about six of them in the game <laughs> but i really i mean nolan north we we played that game on last week's uh responding fire but Nolan north is the prince it feels very drake ish of course but this actually might have been before 2008 was this before uncharted or was this right after uncharted one this might have been right and it was after very uncharted. early on in drake's career so it's Nolan North doing the. It was after you know, it was after like Assassin's Creed. He played Desmond in Assassin's Creed. So, that's right. He does play Desmond. Although was that in two or was that in one? I don't remember where Desmond comes into that. It must have been two because he's Ezio, right? I don't yeah. think he's outside here. You're right. Or no, he's he's what's his name? He's the human guy you play. Uh, whatever <laughs> the guy in the real world. Yeah. Um, Uncharted Either was way, 2007. Yeah, so it was the year before this. It was right before that. Okay, so I like it a lot, though. It's it's not exactly Drake, but it's definitely like Pulp. We're going on a treasure hunting adventure kind of thing, and it, I think he, he works really well for it. Elika's really cool. I like her a lot. Uh, the enemies all have their cool person. The main bosses all have an interesting personality, uh, especially like the concubine. Um, yeah, so I, I like that each of them, like, they had a backstory. If you were willing to sit there and press L2 and listen to Elika and just, like, stand still for a long time and listen then they actually had interesting stories about how they got to where they were and how they got corrupted and all that kind of stuff too, which was really cool. Yeah, they all made deals with the devil, basically. Yeah. He's like, I'll give you a thing, but you're going to be mine forever. I wasn't as so into the really prince, cool. though. Like, 
Nolan North, I usually think is great, but I just th- I think the prince himself was just super shallow as a character, like two dimensional. There was nothing to him. Like he literally don't even learn his name, and he's well, he doesn't have a name. Yeah, yeah he, he just deflects everything, and he's just like, hey, I'm gonna say some like suave, cool things. Is this is what a cool guy would say? Whereas Elika, she was like actually a person, <laughs> so mm-hmm. and had yeah. like motivations, and her father was a person, and like I'm gonna, you know make sure that I destroy the world so that I can save you and all that kind of shit. And so I don't know. I feel like the Prince was the worst character, even though he's the titular character and the one you play as, and you see on the screen at all times. Mm. He has no depth. I just like his smarkiness or snarkiness. Yeah. Not smarky. That's not a thing. Snarkiness. Smarky. I do Smart like that. snark. When they're talking and it's like, is there sexual tension here? And she's like, get your head out of the gutter. I like, I like their back and forth. Yeah. But yeah, he's not, he doesn't even have a name. So that tells you how much character he has. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, let's see. Is there anything we got? Plug gameplay? Da, 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 da. Is there anything in the game before we get to the ending and then the epilogue? I'm trying to think. Not much. I mean, the, the game itself is, is those basic mechanics. Track down these four people. Track down 4,000 trillion modes of light. Unlock some power. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did like... Uh, the powers were cool to look forward to. Like the the red, yellow, green, and blue um, plates mm-hmm. and things like that. That was the thing that like for the... F- two and a half bosses that I got or two and a half worlds that I got through that was oh I can't wait to see what red does oh I unlocked the red plate now I'm just freaking flying through the air oh what does green do oh I'm like running on the side of the building like Sonic in a Sonic Adventure game or something like that um Mm. so being able to experience those was like a really cool thing and wanting to unlock the next one kept me going but aside from that there's not a lot to the game it is honestly though for a game that's from 2008 on the PlayStation 3, I was playing it, like actually on the PlayStation console on my TV. It looks still really great. Like on it, like mm. because of I think it's the shell cell shaded art style that they went with instead of it always helps. Yeah, always helps. And it it looks a lot better than a lot of games that are coming out now, actually. Uh, or like a really mm. high-end switch game or a high-end mobile game or something like that. Like it has that that art style that it feels a little bit more timeless. So yeah, it still looked really great. And that was no obstacle for me at all in, in enjoying it. Especially when you cleanse an area or fertile grounds or whatever they call it. Yeah. And like, cause most of the world is like gray and Brown or whatever ruins, but then like all this grass grows up and the plants grow up and then the 1800 moats of light appear, but everything changes color and changes kind of personality in the landscape. So I like that yeah. as well. All right. I guess we'll go to the ending now. Cause Oh boy, this is a doozy. So, you play the game, you're collecting the molts of light, you're fighting these enemies, you're trying to get everything, um, trying to put all her magic power into the world so you can seal back. Is Armon, is the bad guy? Armon, yep. Armon, right? So then you go to the end, Armon has infected her father because he made the deal to bring her back to life. You defeat Armon in dad's body. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then you jump into Armon, you go down there and she has to like give up her life force to reinfuse the tree, which will lock him away. So she's like, I have to die for this to work. So she dies. You carry her body outside. And then Nolan North's like, I can't accept this. And you go and hack down a bunch of trees, which are holding the power. And then you come back to her and bring her back to life. And then Armon escapes. And then the game literally ends as you're carrying her away. Yeah, you're running in the desert you. away from Armon, who's then re-corrupting. Basically, everything you just fucking did was for nothing. 
and ten and a half hours was literally for no literally reason. Literally for nothing. You're exactly where you started, except now her dad's dead, and you're the idiot who made the same mistake. He, like the same exact mistake she did. No one grew. Mm-hmm. No one learned anything except for her, because she wakes up in the epilogue and she's pissed. <laughs> Oh, I love because I was watching the video, which was tearing this game. I didn't hate the game as much as he did. I, he definitely feels like a dude who's playing up the hate for YouTube clicks. But he was like, the last bit of dialogue in this game is great because you would put the magic in her, bring her back to life. And she sits, she sits up and looks at you and says, why? Mm-hmm. And that's the last words in the game. And I'm yep. like, yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you're so, right. Oof. When like the base game, you finish it and you're just like, not only did that feel like it was for nothing, but also that it goes nowhere. And uh, like, there's not going to be, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a sequel or like something that I want to play again because it's going to be the same shit over and over again. But then you play the epilogue, mm-hmm. which was released, I guess, I don't think it was too long after the original game came out. And it's, you had to pay 10 bucks to get two hours of new content that reused bosses. Like the, the boss enemies were the same. It was the shapeshifter, which just shifted back and forth between two other existing ones. And mm. then you get to the end and you, she goes away. Like the, the story ends with you, her dad is dead again. Armand's still free. But then she goes away. She's like, I got to find my people to help in the future to take him down. And that's it. I was like, yeah. okay. So, so it sets it up, up more of a sequel where it's like Armand is like in the world, but he's not like consuming everything immediately and everyone's going to die. Right. And she's going to find a way to stop. So it sets up more instead of the end of I brought her back to life, I've killed the world. Yeah. It's like, all right, he's back, but we can deal with him in the future. Which, again, I, I guess uh, and it's, it's interesting to release a $10 DLC afterwards because you didn't actually have an ending to your game. Yeah. Um. Because sometimes they'll patch stuff in, like with, I didn't hate the way Mass Effect 3 ended, but the way people complained. And then they patched in other stuff to make people more happy. But that wasn't a thing you had paid $10 for months down the line. Uh, And also people like Mass Effect 3. And uh, (laughs) uh, so, uh, yeah, it's a weird way. That original ending is really weird. And then this epilogue sets up for sequels that we never get. We get games after this, but they're not in this continuity. Yeah. The epilogue was also released. It was released four months after the game Four came months. out. So yeah, it was it was obviously something that they planned and released shortly. Like it was already in development, already probably almost done. They're just like, all right, how do we get ten more dollars out of these people to have them finish our game? Yep. So that's how the game ends. I watched that one because oh, clearly, I again, I played it on PC. I couldn't even bought this DLC if I wanted to, which is so um, dumb. But yeah, that's so dumb. And Ubisoft, the only, the only explanation the game is, uh, they gave was that it's for business reasons. For business reasons, we're not putting mm-hmm. the epilogue on PC. Makes no sense. Not worth it. I don't know what the business reasons would be. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. So, uh, I, don't, I don't know if anyone wrote in with their thoughts on it. I don't know. I, I didn't ask nope. anybody, no. so I don't think we, we got, got nothing. Any. Probably because um, no one knew how to fucking play this game <laughs> because it was impossible yes. to find. Not, I lied to everyone all month. Not on backwards compatibility, unless you have the disc. Definitely not on PlayStation Now anymore. You had to go buy the digital version on your PS3 if you still have that or have the PS3 disc still around. Oh, boy. But I guess we're getting at the end of it. Like I said, I think the game is interesting, and I like the direction they were going. It just feels bad to play yeah. nowadays. That's that's my thing. Yep. I don't even... 
is like thinking about this particular prince that I know they went back to the old style when the Jake Gyllenhaal movie came out and they like went back to the more traditional prince of per- not traditional I guess because it started in a very very different place than the, the Sands of Time trilogy but uh, the Forgotten Sands I think is the one afterwards so they went back to that kind mm-hmm. of horde style thing after this and abandoned this model but I kind of would like a sequel to this I don't. I don't think I want to remaster. I don't want to play this again with updated visuals or anything like that. Like, but I. It looks fine. Yeah, it looks yeah. fine as is. But I would. I would like to see where they could take this particular one because I like the style of it. I like the the corruption looks really cool and it's an Elika is an interesting character. Um, and whatever her people is like, there there are more magical fairy people everywhere that do cool shit and run up walls and fly. Like that's cool. Um. And the flow, like honestly, the flow of being the prince when you mastered it and you're like platforming through some of these areas and, and you're just like this thing after this obstacle, after this obstacle, and it all like flows together really well. That felt good, but it's just those modes mm-hmm. of light, man. It's just that, that ruined the entire game for me. And yeah. so I would, I would love Sick to see here. where they could take this version of Prince of Persia in 2022 or beyond and make something cool and interesting out of it. Yep, I agree. Like I said, there's things there that I like. It's just the the collectible, which they wouldn't do nowadays. So I would love to see. It'd be weird to do, you know, 15 years later. Let's do a sequel to this game, even though we did rebooted the series after that. But yeah, again, there's things I like about this game. It's just that collectible stuff I can't do. And uh, my only other one complaint is when you get on vines and she jumps on your back. It's like, why are you stopping me for a second yeah, to right? keep moving? Uh, also, time. anytime you would like jump and like climb up a crack in the wall too, if she like jumped ahead of you, then you just stop for a second, switch spots, yeah, and then go and move, like that. Yeah. That caused me to accidentally jump off the wall into the abyss a couple of times too. But she grabs your hand. You're good. Yep. <laughs> so, is there anything? I think we figured it out. Do you want to tell these people on Patreon.com/slash/respawnamefire how we're doing our next month's barf? Yeah. Quote so, if you're listening to this uh, at the end of 2021, which is now. Uh, for November and December, we are doing Game of the Year contenders for us. Uh, things that we want to play for consideration for Game of the Year. So hopefully right after this, we're going to go to Patreon and we're going to put up two polls. One for Adam, one for me. Each one will have a few games that we would like to play for Game of the Year. And we want you to vote on one that you for sure want us to prioritize and make sure that we finish in order to hear our thoughts on it. And then we'll talk about those at the end of the year. That's the call to action over at patreon.com slash respawning fire. You get to vote if you subscribe at $1. And that's it. That's the only level you can do. If you want to pay more, you can, but you don't have to. Awesome. So I guess that'll do it for us. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.